This is Laurie Moore Moore with Texas Brave and Strong. Tidbits of Texas history you never learned in school. Today's topic, Attack, Bigfoot Wallace and the Wolf Pack. Bigfoot Wallace was a famous Texas ranger whose list of adventures was long. You may remember a recent podcast about his hand-to-hand fight with a big Indian. Let's see what he's up to today. Have I ever told you, asked Bigfoot, about the tussle I had with the wolves a short time after I came to Texas? It was a sort of initiation fee paid for by my entrance into the mysteries of border life, and I don't think I have ever been as badly frightened before or since. It happened in this way. One very cold evening, two or three hours, perhaps before sundown, I concluded to take a little round in the woods by way of exercise and bring home some fresh venison for supper. So I picked up my gun, Sweet Lips, and started for a rough, broken piece of country where previously I had always found deer in abundance. But somehow, the deer didn't seem to be stirring that evening, and I walked two or three miles without finding a single one. After going so far, I hated to return without meat and kept on, still hoping to find the deer before it got too dark to shoot. But at last, I had to give up and turned my course back toward home again. By this time, the sun was setting, and I hurried up as fast as possible to get out of the chaparral and into the prairie before night came on. All the evening, I had heard the wolves howling around in an unusual way. But I had no fear of them, as I'd been told they seldom, if ever, attacked a man in Texas. When I'd gone back perhaps a half mile or so, a large gray wolf trotted out into the path before me and commenced howling in the most mournful manner, and in an instant he was answered by a dozen other wolves in the hills around us. Thinks I, old fella, if you are hatching a plot for my benefit, I'll make sure of you. Anyhow, so I brought Sweet Lips to range on his shoulder blade, and at the crack of the gun he gave one spring into the air and dropped, as dead as a hammer, in his tracks. But somehow, although I can't say I felt any fear of them, my suspicions were aroused as to foul play on the part of the gentlemen who were answering him from the hills, and I loosened my knife, old Butch, in the sheath rammed another bullet down Sweet Lips, and as soon as I had done so, I put out for home again in double-quick time. But the faster I went, the faster the wolves followed me. And looking back after a little while, I saw twenty-five or thirty lobos trotting along after me at a rate I knew would soon bring them into close quarters. And in the bushes and chaparral that bordered the trail, I could see the gleaming eyes and pointed ears of at least a dozen others coming rapidly toward me. I saw in a minute that they meant mischief, but I knew it was useless to try to beat a wolf in a foot race. However, I resolved to keep on as long as they would let me, and when they closed in that I would give them the best ready-made fight I had in the shop. So I stepped out as briskly as I could, and the wolves trotted after me, howling in a way that made my hair stand on end and my very blood run cold. 
A dozen times I wished myself back again safe in old Virginia, where a man might travel for a hundred miles without meeting up anything more dangerous than a possum. But wishing didn't stop the wolves, so I let out my best licks. But I reckoned without my host, for one big fellow more daring or hungry than the rest made a rush at me, and I barely had time to level my gun and fire, for he was touching the muzzle of it when I pulled the trigger. He fell dead at my feet. But, as if this had been the signal for a general attack, in an instant the whole pack were around me, snarling and snapping and showing their white teeth in a way that was anything but pleasant. I fought them off with the breech of my gun, for they didn't give me a chance to load it, retreating all the while as rapidly as I could. Once so many of them rushed in upon me at the same time that in spite of all my efforts I failed to keep them at bay, and they dragged me to the ground. I thought for an instant that it was all up with me, but despair gave me the strength of half a dozen men, and I used old Butch to such a good purpose that I killed three outright and wounded several others, which appeared somewhat to daunt the balance, for they drew off a short distance and began to howl for reinforcements. The reinforcements were on their way, for I could hear them howling in every direction, and I knew that I had no time to lose, so I put off at the top of my speed, and in those days it took a pretty fast Spanish pony to beat me a quarter when I let out the kinks. I let them out this time with a will, and I tell you, whew, fairly beat the wolves for half a mile or so. But my breath then began to fail me, and I could tell by their close, angry yelps that the devils were again closing in on me. By this time I was so much exhausted that I knew I should make a poor fight of it, more especially as I could perceive from the number of dark forms behind me and the gleaming eyes and shining teeth that glistened out of every bush on the wayside that the wolves had had a considerable addition to their number. It may be thought strange that I didn't take to a tree. <laughs> there were no trees there to take to, nothing but stunted chaparral bushes, not much higher than a man's head. I thought my time had come at last, and I was almost ready to give up in despair, when all at once I remembered seeing, as I came out, a large lone oak tree with a hollow in it about large enough for a man to crawl into, which grew on the banks of a small canyon, not more than three or four hundred yards from where I then was. I resolved to make one more effort, and if possible, to reach this tree before the wolves came up with me again. And if ever there was good, honest running done, without any throw-off about it, I did it then. The fact is, I believe a man can't tell how fast he can run, until he gets a pack of wolves after him in this way. A fellow will naturally do his best when he knows that if he doesn't, in twenty minutes he will be parceled out among his many ravenous wolves, a head to one, a leg to another, an arm to a third, and so on. At least that was the effect it had on me, and I split the air so fast with my nose that it took the skin off of it, and for a week afterward it looked like a peeled onion. However, I beat the wolves once more fairly and squarely, and not much time to spare either, for just as I crawled into the hollow of the tree, which was about as high as my head from the ground, the ravenous creatures were howling all around me. At the bottom of the hollow I found a skunk snugly stowed away, but I soon routed him out, and the wolves gobbled him up in an instant.
He left a smell behind him, though, that was anything but agreeable in such close quarters. However, I was safe there, at any rate from the attacks of the wolves, and all the smells in the city of New Orleans couldn't have driven me from my hole just at that time. The wolves could only get at me one at a time, and with old Butch in my hand I knew I could manage a hundred in that way. But such howling and yelling I never heard before or since but once, and that was when I was with the Keechies, and a runner came in and told them their great chief, Buffalo Hump, had been killed in a fight with the Lapans. The wolves bit and gnawed and scratched, but it wasn't any use, and every now and then a fellow would jump up and poke his nose into the hollow of the tree, but just as sure as he did it, he caught a wipe across it with old Butch that generally satisfied his curiosity for a while. All night long they kept up their serenade, and as you may well suppose, I didn't get much sleep. However, the noise didn't matter, for I had got several severe bites on my arms and legs, and the pain I suffered from them would have kept me awake anyhow. Just at daylight the next morning, the wolves began to sneak off, and when the sun rose, not one was to be seen, except three dead ones at the root of the tree that had come in contact with old Butch. I waited a while longer to be certain they had all left, when I crawled out of my den, gave myself a shake, and I found I was all right, except a pound or so of flesh taken out of my legs and a few scratches on my arms, I hobbled back home. And for a long time afterward, whenever I heard the howling of wolves, I always felt a little uneasy. I found out the next day why the wolves had attacked me in the way they did. I had a bottle of asafoetida in my trunk which somehow had gotten broken and run out among my clothes, and when the wolves pitched into me, I had on a coat that had been wet with the confounded stuff and smelt worse than a polecat. I had often heard that asafoetida would attract wolves, but I always thought before this that it was sort of an old woman's yarn. But it's a fact, and if you don't believe it, go some dark night into a thick chaparral where the wolves are numerous and pour about a gill over your coat, and then wait a little, and see what will turn up. And if you don't hear howling and snapping and snarling, I'll agree to be stung to death by bumblebees. Signed, Bigfoot Wallace. This story is in the public domain from the book Adventures of Bigfoot Wallace, the Texas Ranger and Hunter by John C. Duvall. Wallace's best friend. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't know what asafoetida was. I looked it up, and here's what I found. Asafoetida is made from the taproot of a perennial herb that's part of the carrot family. It takes the form of a dried gum resin from which a tincture can be made. It's also a popular seasoning in some cultures. Its taste is a bit like leeks or onions but it's noted for its strong odor, which is commonly called devil's dung. <laughs> Fortunately, the scent is reduced when the herb is cooked. This has been Laurie Moore Moore with Texas Brave and Strong, the best little podcast in Texas. Be sure to check out my book, Gone to Dallas, The Storekeeper, 
1856 to 1861. And visit my website, lauriemoremore.com. Thanks for listening. Y'all come back.